You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 126 of the Comic Book Informer podcast coming to you on June 5th. Uh, of course, I'm Vince along with uh, most of Roger. How you doing today? Oh, there's Roger and there's some more gunk that comes with Roger today. Nasal fluids, phlegm, you name it. All right. Well, we'll, we'll do our best to keep the uh, <laughs> the hangers on off the show. If Can we do that? All I got to do is make sure that I like sanitize my, my pop filter after I'm done and we're good to go. Just burn it. Yeah, really. <laughs> Pop filter's like five bucks. <laughs> hey, this has been a very interesting week, actually. I mean, I'm not even going to get into everything, but DC has gone insane. Like, absolutely insane. We all know that September is going to be Villains Month over at DC. And we thought, you know, maybe it's going to be something like, you know, Zero Month where, you know, okay, whatever. No, they're, they've announced, I think it's Justice League, Batman and Robin, Flash, uh, Detective Comics, and I think one other, and that's just so far, are each having four issues come out that month. So I, they're seriously going to be publishing like 100 comics in the month of September and expect people to buy them. People will buy them. They, because it's those special little events that people are going and buying more, but they're just not sticking around for what's happening with DC afterwards. So it's, that's the thing. So in their mind, it's true though. Like, I mean, yeah, we're slamming them for the way they're doing their business. But when we're looking at it in terms of what's working for them, the people who make the money or make the decision based on money are looking at what is making them money. So, of course, they're going to keep doing the same stupidity over and over again. Mm-hmm. And they announced some new digital stuff like choose your own adventure, digital comics. Like it did. They've just announced like literally everything on the planet this week. So I'm not, I'm not going to get into all of it, but God, they're, they're kind of smelling a bit of trying too hard at this mo- at this point. I, based on what compared to 52, <laughs> come on, geez. And then, and good news though, comics Alliance is back. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, so a, a new media company bought it off of AOL and then rehired all the old staff It relaunched on monday just awesome. like never missed a beat like it was just like like they never left and awesome. um, I, like i said they're an important voice in the industry to me so i'm very happy to have them back no kidding congrats guys all right into what we're actually talking about i decided that june is going to be summer movie month so we're going to take a look at a lot of the big summer movies that are of course comic book related and looking at the comic book storylines that at least inspired them obviously they're not being translated onto the screen this isn't watchmen but there's definitely always a starting point for the movies so we're actually starting off with iron man that came out last month and that's based off of the extremist storyline from 2005 which ran through issues one through six of the fourth volume of Iron Man, written by Warren Ellis, art by Adi Granov. And before we even talk about the story, uh, you've been raving about the art. The art is insane. I mean, this, I, I was not expecting this. I, I haven't read this, so this was brand new to me. And, uh, and I'm not familiar with his work on anything else. I, I'm going to have to go now and look for what else he's done. Like, it's, it's funny because it's, in some ways, it's too realistic, so it's not a style that I would want 
you know, everybody to adopt. Not everybody could, period, let's be honest. But it's not something that I would want for, for every comic. But when you're looking at it in this this kind of miniseries, and, and it's just so unbelievably gorgeous, so so well done. Like, this is a visual artist in every sense of the word. This is not just somebody who draws stick figures. Like, it's, I, I'm so impressed with the art. Mm. Well, because of his art style, uh, and he likes it, he does all the art. There's no inker, there's no color, colorist, it's just him. He, he, his work tends to take a long time. So he usually actually just does a lot of covers. He's done very little actual internal pages. So yeah, he's been a, a cover specialist for Marvel for several years now. And this is one of the few actual comics he's done the art for. Yeah, well, I, I was reading this and I was thinking too, like, there's no way in hell this came out in 30 days. Each issue, there's just, there's just no way in hell this man <laughs> could do this kind of work. Up. Yeah, because yeah, it was, it's ridiculous. It's just gorgeous. So, and this is actually pretty interesting because this storyline was the first Iron Man story I read after I got back into comics, and. Honestly, it's probably one of the first like solo Iron Man stories I'd ever read. I mean, previously, it'd always just been you know a team character to me, and it wasn't until like later that I started getting into a lot of the old classic stories. So this was a heck of a way to kind of break the ice on you know getting back into comics and getting into Iron Man as a whole because this whole thing was fantastic. See, I we again twenty five years ago I wasn't reading Iron Man, so it really wasn't on my radar, and then. Even when I restarted reading comic books, I still was not reading Iron Man that much. I'd read him every once in a while. I've been reading some of the reboots and things like that. But he just has never been a character that has been engaging enough for me to really invest the, the time and the money in, in getting and reading all of those those back issues. Um, that being said, though, there's because of that, like, I mean, I, some of the things that I have read or some of the things that have been done through like the Avengers or and whatnot, I don't have that backstory to go from. Like there's the obvious alcoholism and things like that and the, the relationship with his father that he had. And again, those kind of basic concepts that are easy to get, but the, all of the junk with extremists was stuff that like. I knew at face value just based on what they were saying because we just recently saw that with the the uh, the new one. And so I didn't know all of the stuff that had happened. So reading this, it's like, ah, okay, now I get it. And it is justifiably a damn good story as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure of the exact uh, timing of everything going on, but this was around a time where they were really simplifying Iron Man and bringing him back to his roots. Uh, you saw, you know, it's, He's back to, you know, not having a public persona and, you know, hiding that he actually is Iron Man. You know, he's the CEO of Stark Tech. Like even uh, this was around the time they kind of minorly retconned his origin to update it from Vietnam to Afghanistan, which, you know, it's a pretty simple thing to do because it's it would be a little odd because this guy would be, you know, clanking around in his 50s or so by now if they'd kept the original origin story. But along with that, we get you know, just a very character-focused story that uh, Warren Ellis did here with that simplification of the origin and getting rid of, you know, a lot of the extraneous stuff that he'd built up over the decades previous, just bringing it back down to the core of Tony Stark's character of someone who is still, in a lot of ways, 
trying to make up for his past as a weapons manufacturer. And we see that right at the beginning. He spends all of his time down in his garage working and tinkering with the Iron Man armor because it's really the one good thing he's done with his brain. And he can't even look at himself in the mirror. He, he's not very happy with who he is as a person. And seeing that change just over the course of the six issues was a very good character arc. See, with me, what was hard was figuring out where this fits in kind of thing. Because when I started reading it initially, I didn't think that it was going back all the way to the beginning. So I mm-hmm. was expecting that this was Stark after he'd been Iron Man for a while. Oh, yeah, that this isn't like a total retcon. Like I said, they were just kind of boiling the character back down to his simplest, you know, version without really they, – they weren't getting rid of anything previous. They were just, you know, focusing on certain aspects. Yeah, but it is still changing a lot when you're looking mm-hmm. at – um, him and the suit and how it interacts and things like that, it really changes a hell of a lot of that original story. Well, not so much, I don't think. I think so. It's no longer about the, um, again, tinkering with continually trying to make a better suit. Now he's just a suit. <laughs> so it's just he can handle it so easily and mm-hmm. he, he becomes a part of it essentially or it becomes a part of him. Oh, I, I, I so see where it, you're going with that. Yeah. It changes a lot of the dynamics and because the suit is so much of what Iron Man is and because uh, it's not like, yeah, yeah, he's got the brains and he's, you know, the, the, the whatever else you want to assign to him that he's Iron Man kind of thing. But it's not like when you're looking at, say, like, um, you made the comparison before to Batman and that Bruce isn't that big a deal without it. And I, and I disagree because Bruce has got the like decades of martial arts training and things like that to be able to take care of himself. Plus on top of that, the brain as well. Whereas Tony was just a really smart dude with a bad ticker. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's it. So without the suit, Yes, he's still a force to be handled with, but in terms of his 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 mental acuity, not his abilities with his body and what he can do. It's about the suit. So when you take something like this and you change it so drastically so that now the suit is almost a part of him, some, some parts of it are kind of thing, and he can like freaking get his brain into the satellite dishes and stuff, you're really playing around with what, the core concepts of the the character and and of both characters are Iron Man and Tony. I'll actually come back to that later uh, once we've explored more of the story because, yep. you know, reading a lot of Iron Man comics after this came out, I, there's a certain arc to his character. But like I said, I'll come back to that later. Mm-hmm. The actual story that we experience here in Extremis centers around a company, Future Farm, you know, technological, bio, biotech, all, all kinds of, you know, fancy high-end stuff where Dr. Aldrich Killian has stolen a virus that uh, it's called the Extremis virus. And it basically gives a person superpowers. They're trying uh, – how many stories in Marvel have started with somebody trying to replicate – the Captain America project. I, yeah. <laughs> it's, every once in a while, they just drag that out. Oh, yeah, we were trying to do Captain America again, and it's never worked. Stop trying. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Tony is contacted by an old friend of his, Dr. Maya Hansen, who's actually the one that designed Extremis and brings him in. You know, just, you know, she needs help and she doesn't really know who else to contact. So we get this story where 
Iron Man gets his ass kicked. <laughs> More than just ass kicked. That is just trounce. It's, it's time for you to hang up the suit, buddy. You're not meant for this. <laughs> but also, in with all that, you know, they kind of take a little side trip to visit their old mentor. And I thought that was a very... Like it's on one hand, it seems kind of out of place because it's just like, oh, they just, you know, take a detour vacation to go visit this guy almost. But it really lends itself to a lot of story development because, you know, Sal is this old guy. You know, he's become a bit of a hippie in, in his in his post technological uh, advancement bit. days. <laughs> a yeah, okay, bit a of lot a of a hippie. <laughs> <laughs> but he 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 just gives them these open-ended questions of, you know, what are they doing? Like, what is Maya's ultimate goal with extremists? Because at the end of the day, it's still only going to be used as a weapon. While it has other options that it could do, he knows, he's been around long enough to know that those practices for it are realistically never going to happen. And then same thing for Tony. You know, he spent his whole life building weapons, and now he's built this Iron Man suit. But what is the purpose of Iron Man? Of course, not knowing Tony is Iron Man. So... that's just kind of hangs over the rest of the story. And it, I like how it tied together, how Tony, in his own way, throughout the story, realized what the purpose of Iron Man was. That he has done so much, I don't want to say he's done bad, but he, his work has led to so much misfortune in his life that he's now working on Iron Man, if not for himself to make up for it, but to allow you know, the next generation of scientists to work for it. I I just really liked that. I thought it went a little overboard at points though. Um, Mm -hmm. And in terms of the visit with the, the old dude, I actually thought that did fit well. It's uh, what it reminded me of is, and, and I didn't get that opportunity. I never really did at any of the places where I've worked, but I know some guys who in their work went through mentorship programs um, for, for management and different things like that. And they still, keep in touch with those people and we'll still just sit around and often for advice or whatnot. And it's a relationship that's forged that really means a lot to them going forward. It's not just for that one little period to learn what they need to know and then branch out and doing it on, on their own. And that's immediately what I thought of when I was reading this, like this is, he's a mentor to them both. And so when they are in need of advice, they, of course, think of him and go to him. So to me, it fit perfectly. And, I, and mm-hmm. I liked it. It was a good segment, too, where you have the person who has that broader view because he's scraped off all the crap and he's, he's not as introspective as they are kind of thing. So I thought it was good. But then I thought that going through the entirety of the series, I, th- I think there was just a little bit too much with... Tony, where at points it was kind of bordering mm-hmm. on a little bit of melodrama. Yeah, when you look back and you realize over the course of the six issues, there were basically just two very short action scenes, and it was a lot of character focus. Yeah. And while that's not a bad thing, I mean, in an Iron Man comic, you kind of expect a little more Iron Man. And and I was all right with that. I was. It's just that at points, again, you're... And it's his character. You're like, okay, we get it. You don't like to look at yourself in the mirror. You're not happy about what you did. You know, suck it up and move on. And because that's some of what we've come to to expect from Tony Stark, from other series, hell, from the movies and things like that. Whereas this is a lot more introspective analysis and, 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 and again, drama at, at points. Yeah, this is, this is a very different Tony Stark. Yeah. So... 
when Iron Man goes up against the extremist soldier it, it, in its, I guess, base form, what extremist does is it rewires your brain in, in a way that it kind of resets your blueprint of what your body thinks it should be. And this is this is comic science. So, I mean, just yeah, kind of go, go with, with it. it. Yeah. <laughs> so basically it, when the body goes through a healing cycle and it realizes that, you know, all the stuff is wrong. So it just rebuilds part of the parts of the body to be right. So this guy was super strength, super speed, breathe fire <laughs> and just mops the floor with Iron Man. And the way Tony realizes is, and this is something that I've always kind of wondered because the Iron Man suit still is at its core, a giant hunk of metal. The thing has to weigh a ton, like almost literally a ton. <laughs> so, he couldn't keep up with the speed. He still had to control the suit. The suit had to move. Meanwhile, this guy was just too fast for Iron Man to keep up with. So he's got, you know, a broken arm, a fractured leg. You know, his chest is caved in. His lungs are filled with blood. He's like, well, give me the extremists. And comes up with a version of the extremists that is different from what we saw on the other guy where – it basically just creates a biological interface to the Iron Man suit. Uh, he up, he includes you know some actual metallic and components and stuff into the extremists that is stored inside of his bones. Again, go with it. So that the the actual like underlayer of the Iron Man armor is now a part of his body and it allows him to give a, a direct neurological interface to the armor, greatly increasing his reaction speed. Also coupled with, you know, lighter armor. It was a cool evolution of the actual Iron Man armor that at least in the comics we'd never really seen because, yeah, while he had all kinds of versions of the armor, there were still these giant metal suits. And this was a really cool upgrade to actually make him, you know, something more than he used to be. Yeah. So he goes in and just, you know, mops the floor with a guy now. Like I think it was, what, three pages was the fight, the second fight scene. Actually, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, the um, what I liked in that second fight, of course, is the ending and how deeply and profoundly it affects him that he has to put him down. Um, I really like that. Just say, again, it was very, very brief, but it was like, oh, well done. It, like because it's 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 not often that you'll see a scene like that, like that kicking the body and swearing at it for making mm -hmm. him do that. And I thought it was again, very well done. And it's moments like that, that can then lead to issues where, um, we see him relapsing into the alcoholism because of how, again, disturbing some of the things that he's forced to do are. Mm -hmm. And we, we talk so many times about those storylines that come up of, you know, should a superhero kill or, or shouldn't they? And I thought this was a great way to handle it because he didn't want to kill the guy. No. But, you know, when push came to shove, he did what he had to do. And, you know, that I mean, ultimately it was the right decision. But, uh, of course, as a person, you know, it's it's still something that weighs on you. And that, that was that was very well done. Yeah, it was, I'm looking at it now like that single page the page after he has to kill him um so beautifully framed all of the scenes and there's only writing in the last two panels but it's just you can feel the weight of what that decision means to him and again really well handled mm -hmm. so this really set off a whole new era for iron man where now that he has this you know 
direct neurological interface to basically all technology. You can see he's he's accessing satellites. He has you know his his all of his Stark tech that he can access. And I say at one point, I think it was it might have even been the issue right after this because I continued reading it when it was uh, coming out in the paperbacks, where. Like, you know, the Avengers are fighting something and he's not even there. He's like remotely piloting the the armor while he's off doing something else. And then like he's teleconferencing with Stark Industries. We're bidding on eBay projects like all at once. It, it was a very Tony Stark way to uh, implement this new technological upgrade. Yeah. I, but, I'm curious, like the series kept up after this or it was rebooted again? Uh, it kept up with this uh, for I want to say another like dozen or so issues because right after this was when the civil war happened okay and then it was retitled to you know iron man director of shield and then right after like right around that time uh is when they launched the invincible iron man series by matt fraction because that was when the movie came out so they wanted the new number one so they kept they actually had two iron man comics on the shelf for a while this one and the invincible iron man and then this one kind of transitioned into a war machine series for a while and then they just canceled it Hmm. okay but throughout throughout all those developments we just see you know, he's trying so hard to, you know, now that he has all this enhanced capabilities, we saw, you know, Civil War, you know, look at all the stuff Tony went through there. And then when he was in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D., he just kept pushing himself and pushing himself. And this was leads into some of the best stuff that Fraction was doing in Invincible Iron Man, where he he had to give it all up uh, when Norman Osborn was coming after him. And, you know, at this point, his brain is basically a living computer. So, you know, he with the knowledge of, you know, who all the Avengers are and this and that. So he had to give up everything that he gained here in Extremis for the greater good. And like, the whole character arc for Tony Stark that played out over those couple years, even while the Civil War was kind of we've, – we've discussed Civil War mm-hmm. and the stuff that came after it. He became such an unlikable character. The actual core story that Tony himself was going through was, was still very well done over those couple years. Hmm. And like I said, this is only the you know very basic uh, premise of Iron Man three, uh, where you know Extremis is involved. Uh, Doctor Killian is a, a much bigger role in the uh, in the movie than he did here because dude offs himself halfway through the first issue, and, and so. Uh, but we still have a lot of the same you know character development of you know Tony Stark trying to you know just diving so far into his work, he alienates the stuff around him and, you know, coming to realize, you know, what's what he wants to do with his life. Of course, the movie plays out in a completely different way than the comic does, but the the the, the core of it is still there. And I mean, if you're going to base a, com- a movie off of a specific comic storyline, you could definitely do a heck of a lot worse than this one. Yeah. So I mean, on its own, Extremis was pretty cool. And it, 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 I don't know how long Warren Ellis specifically stayed on here because as other comic writers and even Ellis himself has said, he doesn't like to do long runs on comics. He'll show up, do you know a half dozen or so issues just to prove that he's better than everybody else and then go back into semi-retirement. <laughs> and it's true because every time he comes on to something, he just blows everybody away and then makes everybody feel bad about themselves and then just <laughs> goes back to England for a while. <laughs> But definitely check this one out. It's if you're not all that much into an Iron Man story like Roger was, this this is a pretty cool one to maybe help you get into that. Yeah, it's only six issues, so it's not a big deal, and it's it ties off quite nicely beginning to end. So it's definitely worth reading. Yeah, and it could even stand alone again. as like a mini series. Yeah. 
All right, so into what we're reading this week. Uh, first of all, I have Dark Avengers with uh, issue 190 that came out last week was the final issue. Now, this is, of course, the comic that started as Thunderbolts, you know, years and years ago. And I won't talk about the current Thunderbolts because, God, is that awful. <laughs> I, haven't even, I haven't even looked at it since issue two. And I haven't either. That was probably one more issue than I should have given it. <laughs> But, you know, Jeff Parker, I kind of feel bad for this guy because he gets all, you know, the cast off characters. Like every time he writes something, he's pretty much starting off with a C-list comic and knowing it's never really going to last that long. But everything he's done with the stuff uh, with the Red Hulk and now Red She-Hulk, which is also being canceled, uh, stuff he's done before with Agents of Atlas. Dude just writes the crap out of everything he gets his hands on and just does the best he can with what he's given. And I've. I really liked everything he did with the Thunderbolts because he was writing it for, God, a number of years. I think since like right after Secret Invasion is when he picked it up going through roster changes and just everything Marvel threw at him. He picked it up and handled it. And I've this is something that Roger and I definitely differ on. I've always loved the Thunderbolts. I mean, going back to the 90s, it's one of the few 90s comics that I can look back at and go, I enjoy that. I can also look back at it and go, man, the 90s were a rough time. <laughs> but it was doing some cool stuff and just carrying through, you know, retitling to Dark Avengers when uh, sales were dipping because, hey, if it has Avengers in the title, more people are going to read it. And I just loved what he did with all these characters. He by, by the time he was done, I mean, his team consisted of literally nobody like it was <laughs> the 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 highest like most recognizable characters were john walker who was a substitute captain america at one point and hulk's son were, were the highest like profile characters he was dealing with but he told a fantastic story down at the end these last i think 10 issues of dark avengers this alternate universe stuff he did was cool as can be and in a great way for you know a writer he left all the characters in a point where any time, either himself or somebody else can pick them up and still tell interesting and fun stories with them. Still not reading it. Yeah. It's Thunderbolts. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm assuming you read the latest issue of Wolverine and the X-Men. Uh, remind me. Uh, the, the prologue to the Hellfire War. No, actually, I haven't read that one yet. Oh, I've got man. it, but I haven't read it yet. Because as we've seen over the last few issues, the Hellfire Academy is you know starting up their own rival school. And oh my goodness, all the stuff we see here with Brew and uh, Beast trying to cure Brew. He actually goes to S.W.O.R.D. Uh, to uh, Dr. Starblood, the guy from a dozen or so issues ago that was trying to kill Brew. And he's like, can you fix him? And he's looking at him. He's like, oh, he's aggressive and this and that. And he's like, there's nothing wrong with him. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, this is how a Brew is supposed to be. <laughs> and we, get, we actually had heroic character development from Quentin Quire. <laughs> Okay, now I the have stuff to read it immediately. Jason Aaron has been doing with Choir is just great. He, I, this is probably the first time ever I've seen him act, not for himself but for somebody else, and for that alone, Jason Aaron should get an Eisner Award. <laughs> okay, I'll read it tonight. Yeah, so so cool stuff going on there. And then just one other little thing I wanted to touch on, not really what we're reading, but uh, the new Marvel Heroes online game came out officially yesterday now. And uh, I know Roger and I had both been playing it together since beta. And I, you know, I've been kept you know, poking my head in, seeing it through the various uh, levels of development that I got through. And I actually started playing this weekend because I uh, pre-purchased a character pack. And it's a very fun game. Like It's nothing deep. It's nothing amazing. It's basically Diablo 2 with superheroes. And... 
that's really all I need to know to play a game. It's incredibly fun, especially once you get, you know, a group together and you have, you know, Wolverine and Hulk and Hawkeye and Scarlet Witch and just insanity going on. It's a blast. And uh, I mean, it's free. So you pretty much the only thing you have to lose is the time it takes to download it. So if you're interested in that sort of game, it's a uh, PC only. And I would recommend that uh, any comic fan should check it out because it's doing a pretty cool story, too. I, that's what I'm looking forward to because I'd been playing it through the beta, but not as much as you two, just because there were some parts of it that I was a little disappointed, but only disappointed in terms of I know that this is how it is during beta. I've played enough betas that I know it's going to be better, so I'll just wait kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so that kind of thing, I just didn't want it to taint my, my opinion of it. And then they were having some problems with their early access, so I kind of Yeah, thought, the early access was a bit of a, was a, bit of a, a stumble, but yeah. I mean, it's been running pretty rock solid since. So I did download it. I will be getting into it and, and playing. So yeah, we can, uh, we can talk about it again later on once we've gone through more of the story as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, check out their YouTube because they have a, a prologue, the Book of Doom motion comic that they've been doing. And I know motion comics are a bad word amongst comic fans because normally when you get a motion comic, they take an actual comic book and then just add some crappy animation and voiceovers. But this is stuff that's actually been designed as a Good motion idea. comic and it works a lot better than a lot of the stuff we've seen previously. Plus the actual trailer. I mean – with the, the Watcher showing up. I mean, you know, like we said, whenever the Watcher shows up, stuff is going down <laughs> Just Dr. Doom. I love Dr. Doom. So that's all you really need to know. All right. What have you got for us? Um, Superior Spider-Man number 10. That came out. Did you read mm -hmm. it? Of course. This, the, the second page where he's jumping off the building. Picture like, oh, what a wonderful day music playing in the background kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's what it is. That's what he's got in his head, I'm sure. And it's just made me laugh. This was really good. Like, this is the first issue that we get where there's no Parker at all kind of thing. And it's supposedly all auto in his brain. Um, and so you're seeing the new relationship or lack thereof with Mary Jane, the, the, the way he's interacting with Aunt May and stuff. And, and like, most of the issue is actually Parker even. It's not... It's not Spider-Man. and no, not Parker. Well, you know what I mean. It's <laughs> Otto Parker. Um, and it's just phenomenal. It's just, well, I, obviously we shouldn't sound surprised. It's just, it's a fantastic issue. I loved it. And the relationship he's got going on with the, what's her name? The, uh, the, 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 the girl. Yeah. What's yeah it? I can't remember. College class. Anna Maria. Uh, I can't remember. Anna Maria. Yeah is just phenomenal completely out of left field but so much fun to read um so no i really enjoyed this a lot i mean come on all the stuff with the goblin yeah God. yeah i can't wait for them to face off uh uncanny x-men number six where now they're in limbo and you got all the new students saying i changed my <laughs> mind i don't want to be on this team anymore the the thing that struck me the most obviously about this was the art and the coloring God. Fraser Irving, man. Beautiful. Although the thing with the Dazzler at the end actually was like, mm, yeah, I didn't yeah, like it. That, it that, that interview I sent you made it a lot cooler than it actually was in the comic. Yeah, because <laughs> it was like, oh, cool, she's going to be in S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, and then you see this and it's like, oh, God, that was <laughs> pretty lame. So, yeah, I don't know how that's going to be. And, um, and then, of course, X-Men Legacy number 11 where we're getting the continuing story of him 
maybe taking a pill to stop being uh, a mutant. And then you see some of the other mutants who've <laughs> taken the pill, <laughs> all sitting in their little chairs with their sippy cups. <laughs> that scene alone, that little panel was phenomenal. Um, it, it was still good. I, I again, I I like that we're seeing a lot more with Blindfold, kind of stepping up because of her relationship with him and wanting to help protect him and things like that. And then the surprise ending with the red skull. I, 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 this was good. I, I've been enjoying this little story, Eric, a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great stuff. So that's about it for me. Uh, just to tie back into the Spider-Man stuff real quick, and I know we're kind of running late on time here, but I just want to tie it in. They, they've been announcing a new miniseries, and all they're saying so far is it's The Mighty. And it's tying in with the whole Infinity thing going on uh, later this year, which, of course, we know is going to involve the Avengers you know, going into space and fighting Thanos. But this particular series that they're talking about is all the heroes who decide to stay behind and defend Earth. And it's a, a team actually being formed by Luke Cage, who comes out of retirement specifically for this purpose. And they've been doing the old, oh, you know, announcing one character a day. Uh, I don't know who they announced today, but yesterday they announced, you know, the superior Spider-Man. And just hearing Tom Brevoort talking about why would Otto you know, sign up for this, you know, why would he join this team to defend the whole earth when he's got his own thing going on? And just that little bit of like, now I really, I just for that, just to see how Spider-Man fits into this dynamic. Now I, I, I'm hooked. It that also alone. means that he's going to be in there for longer. Mm -hmm. So this, this whole story arc with Otto in his body is going to last for quite a bit longer, obviously. Well, if you ask Dan Slott, it's never going to change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we know it will, but God, he's selling it. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> People are, when's Parker coming back? And he's like, Parker's gone. Yeah. <laughs> sure, buddy. <laughs> I believe that. All right. Well, as for this week's comics, Marvel is bringing us Age of Ultron number nine, all new X-Men number 12, Avengers number 13, Cable and X-Force number nine, the final issue of Daredevil End of Days with number eight, Iron Man number 11, Red She-Hulk number 66, Superior Spider-Man 11, Thanos Rising number three, Ultimates number 25, and X-Factor number 257. You know, it had been a quiet couple of weeks too. <laughs> yeah. All right, DC, we have t issues 21 for Detective Comics, Green Lantern, and Swamp Thing, of course, bringing the new creative team into Green Lantern after Jeff Johns' departure. We also have issue 13 for Earth 2 and issue 2 for The Movement. From everybody else, Boom Studios brings us Suicide Risk number 2. IDW, we have Transformers, Robots in Disguise number 18. Uh, Image is launching another new comic. Um, I don't know if I've heard of it. It's called All New Secret Skull Kickers. Uh, it's a new number one, but I mean, I'll check it out. Uh, we also have East of West number three and Invincible Universe number three. Ooh. And from Valiant Comics, Archer and Armstrong number 10. So, God, image. Uh, that's, that's, <laughs> it's only three comics, but man, what a three comics. <laughs> I, you know what? It's funny because the more, the, like they've gotten so many series now, especially as of late, that we've liked so much. I'm, you know what? A year down the line, when we're still doing this podcast... I'm really curious how much more time we're going to be spending on, you know, image and what's coming out for image in a week as opposed to the other two. Because yeah. for all the mistakes that the others are making, these guys are doing so much right. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're getting top talent, giving them full creative freedom. Just you want to write a comic about a dwarf and a bald guy fighting dragons? 
Do okay. Yeah, you want to write a comic about the horsemen of death going through, you know, the shattered, you know, United States? Okay. So when you give top tier talent full freedom to just come up with whatever they want, you get results. Yeah. All right, so that's going to wrap us up here at Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. So until next week, thanks for listening. <laughs>